What's up, everybody? It's the Long Play Listening Party. We are back. <laughs> God, Drew by surprise. Sorry, Drew. Uh, we're here uh, with. Uh, leave it in. Leave it. We're leaving it's it like, in. It's like it's like Sweet Leaf. <laughs> it's a lot like. Oh, we're leaving that in. It's okay. a lot like Sweet Leaf, in fact. Um, we're here with Drew Rudebush, Part Two, Dark Satellites, David the Gnomes, Adrenochrome, Thunderdome. We're kind of talking about what inspired. You know the different dark satellites records over the years and anxiety and politics and um i just wanted to point back to uh the song white gold on the be still album second album which in a way i guess lyrically maybe was kind of a preview of it it, it straddles the border maybe between the internal and external that you were talking about yeah um yeah, that one's uh, kind of a hard one to explain, I guess. Be Still was sort of my midlife crisis album, I guess. I was, like, we were either in the process of having a child or had just had a child for the most, you know, most of the time that I was writing it and recording it. And so I was just kind of trying to put my own experiences in my youth into perspective with the hopes of both just like dealing with my own shit but also hopefully someday being able to teach my son something meaningful and so all those songs were just kind of looking backwards through the hazy lens of um you know my my young adulthood through my adolescence and White Gold is a song that I kind of wrote about my my college years, I guess. Just being a young musician and like how I kind of, you know, the Iraq war was in full swing. We were, this was post 9-11. Um, I was having regular arguments with professors and like conservative students in whatever political electives I was able to take as an engineering student about like, you know, the war on terror and surveillance and just uh, kind of gradually becoming more aware of inequality and how things kind of break along along racial lines a lot of the time um and like just trying to process all that and finding a way to speak about it and take action where possible in a meaningful way and I guess for me, I've always been probably too optimistic about the power of a song and what it can do to like change people's minds. And I guess with White Gold, I was just kind of looking back at that time, feeling like a lot of the time I just kind of, I kind of missed it. Like my role wasn't really to like, 
write a song and change people's minds and like save anyone or like you know make any kind of tangible difference my my role should have been more like taking every opportunity i could to find solidarity with with marginalized people and that kind of like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna write a fucking song i'm gonna i'm gonna like perfectly articulate all these problems and you know i i just was feeling really cynical about that at that time I was just kind of, and revisiting it now, I don't even really know how I feel about it. I like to think that somewhere, somebody along the line might find the lyrics to a song, not necessarily one of mine, and find it meaningful, and like maybe that will be a useful guidepost in their life, but I guess at the time that I wrote it, I was just feeling like it was all kind of kind of insignificant see i always took it not um just to add a layer on top of all that right for what it's worth like the way if i had tried to explain this to you last year i probably would have reached a different conclusion so like you know my my feelings about that song are changing and so it's perfectly valid for you to have your own your own take on it oh definitely and i will i'll actually insert it here in the uh, show so that people can hear it. We're not hearing it now, so we won't really be able to talk about it specifically in detail um, like we did with David the Gnome. But so, kind of in a very general sense, you have this song. The writer's kind of looking back on that that youthful political optimism, sort of with a with a bit more of a cynical view, and that's all in there. But to me, like the the val one of the values I find in it is just the example. Well, I mean, just to just to say it plainly, like you're a white guy writing a song about white privilege, and that's good. I think, and at some level, I think that's good. I. Yeah. I, Obviously, we could go overboard with that. We don't need every white guy to, to write this song about white women. But you yeah, handle I mean, it. You have to. The way you, you have handle to be it is aware of it. You have to be aware of it, and and just yeah. just being aware of it and writing a song that's oh, it's aware of it, but it's not fucking weird about it or like yeah, it, it's not self-flagellating. It it's not you're not centering yeah. yourself in right, your song. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's well, I mean, a lot of it is just. It's like the whole thing is the struggle and like the tension, uh, the, the the cognitive dissonance of like, you know, recognizing privilege, but still being a product of that privilege and, and having to like reconcile all of the uh, injustice that comes along with it, with, you know, you yourself being a person in society with your own challenges and you know, just dealing with the sense of powerlessness, um, not knowing where the levers are that you can pull. And I, you saw that in my own explanation, my own way of trying to interpret my own song. Like, 
the, the, the words were pretty raw and those were my feelings and I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it at the time and I, apparently I still don't. But it's just... That's, that's the strength it's all like it's, a, it's, it's all a complicated a song and that's the whole... Like could someone like me come along and, and read the, those lyrics without knowing where they're coming from and, and, and think that they're coming from you or could they be coming from Loris or you know someone else like, you know what I mean I've always been afraid that somebody could like read that song and think that I was being like you know some cynical right wing uh, men's rights activist kind of shithead like it would be know, a pretty shallow very, reading it's very self deprecating and cynical and you know you could take it in that direction if you really if that was your thesis like it's just like uh you know dark side of the moon and, and the wizard of oz like if you really sure. want to make it sync up you can convince yourself that it does um but yeah i don't know i guess that that song was maybe like uh, kind of an earlier attempt to sort of you know get out of the realm of just my own sort of hang-ups and, and uh, childhood trauma and just sort of trying to put myself more in the context of the broader world. And I've been doing, I've been doing that on a, on a bigger scale with the more recent records, so. Go ahead, Royce. Sorry. I was just going to say, I would imagine that would be a, a tough subject to tackle, uh, like you said, on a record or something like that. But, I mean, that's what we do music for, you know? Like, everybody's got to show where they're coming from, really. I mean, and that's really the, the way forward in any of this stuff. We're talking about, like, politically or whatever. It's like, got to be able to have a conversation about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just sometimes just admitting that you don't really know um, what the takeaway is. Like, really all you know is how you feel about something. And just having the vulnerability to say, like, you know, I don't really, I don't really know what the conclusions are here. I don't know what to tell you to take from this. Um we kind of all have to learn together. I think step one is just self-awareness. And I guess that song was probably, at least for my part, an offering of self-awareness. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it definitely doesn't offer any answers. It kind of, the song kind of takes you to the starting point of that conversation and it doesn't, right. it doesn't go any further. And I think, I think that's the strength of it is that it's not trying to go it's not too far out over its skis, you know? Not a campaign speech. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a campaign speech. I don't want any of this stuff to come off as a campaign speech. I don't... Like, so... The other part of the Dark Satellites thing is, like, all the album art is, like, this quasi-religious, uh, uh, occult kind of imagery and themes and like it's it's just all very cultic and and 
kind of fake religious. And a lot of that comes from the fact that I'm just really skeptical of anyone who claims to have answers about anything, whether it's a priest or a politician or just like a motivational speaker. I hate motivational speakers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, so, I love yeah. the, uh, the may you live in interesting times that was like, just so there's so much there that's so outrageous and crazy but it's it's so good the album art yeah yeah well, yeah both e- both Ethan's... i mean yeah i mean we we talked about the record but yeah the the art was was also thank very you great. yeah ethan jones did the art he's a friend of mine he lives in omaha i've known ethan for almost 20 years he's a really great artist um i super lucky that he's always down for doing another album cover um i mixed his solo album last year it came out okay. in august i think um or maybe it was no maybe it's more like november i'm losing track of time um yeah ethan jones find him on uh, Bandcamp. he's got that solo record up i mixed it it the songs are awesome um he's a real talented guy we'll put a link in for sure yeah, okay. and then the the artwork for this one. Um, uh, first of all, David the Gnome's Adrenochrome Thunderdome is just a, a nonsensical um, uh, play on words that I I think I I tweeted it last year, and it was one of the only tweets that I've ever done that's got any engagement whatsoever. So <laughs> I decided to use it as an album title. And um, David the Gnome was a cartoon that I used to watch as a kid. I love that show. It was like a Spanish cartoon. Um, At the end of the series, he dies. He and his wife died. And, like, it was just this really beautiful sort of way of explaining death to children. Um, I don't know. It's it's just always stuck with me. Like... um, it, I, and it's only in the title because it rhymes with the other <laughs> words. <laughs> um, but yeah, the artwork is like Ethan. All Ethan does illustrations and you know graphic design, and then he does really good um, collage work. So he put together this collage with, with just like it's all like it's all it just subverts masculinity in a really. Yeah. Punk, punk kind of way like with with the maggots pouring out of the faucet and then the bodybuilders it's just it and then master blaster on the in the center like it's it's so fucking rad um it like i i just i love like you know i i, I do like this really heavy kind of fuzzed out stoner sound but then like any opportunity i get to subvert it like i I'm all over it. There's definitely a sort of a tongue-in-cheek element. It's all kind of yeah, uh, just sure. just a little bit undercut. <laughs> what are you looking at, Nate? And in the back, I'm and in the back, just looking at the cover. <laughs> and then the back cover is a collage of meat. It's just meat. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's in the extras. Like I, I don't know if you have to download it, but it's like one of the album extras. The yeah, back, the back cover. I think I tweeted it. It might be on my Twitter account. I think it is. Uh, which is at dark underscore satellites. Yeah, um, I'd like to press this to vinyl sometime. Um, just I mean, just for the art. Like Ethan's art is always so good. I I just feel like I should. I should just pay the money to press it just so I can mail him a copy so he can so he can have a record. Um, Hit Royce up. <laughs> maybe, maybe like next year. I don't know how. You think we'll ever get the band together and play some more shows? Uh, over under on Dark Satellite shows from now until the end of time. Uh, 0. 0.5. I'll take the over. I, I bet we play a show again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it'd be cool if we could, if I could get some records pressed and maybe we could do some release shows. Like, it'll be the 10 year anniversary of the 2012 record next year. It'd be fun to, like, do a vinyl mix of that and, like, press 100 of them and do some shows. Like, I would love to do, fun. uh, yes. And I would love to do, like, uh, uh, like a live in the studio version and like do all the songs with Cole. Oh yeah. That'd be and cool. do them kind of, you know, just, just rougher as the trio. I think that'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We should do some 10th anniversary stuff next year, assuming that people get vaccinated and, you know, <laughs> assuming that shows are, 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 are going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. I'm optimistic about next year. I don't, I'm, I'm definitely feeling it at this moment, but like, I think what I'm really looking forward to is an oral antiviral, which hopefully maybe this winter, I think that really, for me, that really changes things to know that even, even though I'm vaccinated, if if I were to get COVID, if there was something I could go down to Hy-Vee and get a pill and it would make sure that like, I don't go to the hospital, I don't get long COVID, that would be awesome. And that would really change my risk calculus on a bunch of things. Do you think that that's the, that the shot itself is like part of the freedom crowds hang up? Like if it was a pill, do you think they would be m making a big stupid production out of resisting the vaccine i yeah. i think it's because i'm it's gonna free. say they I th i'm gonna say it is i've said they are just that i don't know that it's even a, a, about the way it's taken it's just that somebody's telling them to take something oh yeah that they supposedly are still doing the research on <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my take yeah. on it is it's because it's free if we charged mm. them for it, oh yeah, they'd all run out and get it. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? you're yeah. saying, Royce, you make if you, make yeah. it make it a, charge a, them like obscenely uh, expensive and put a, make it a, put a, a make Nike it swoosh on the side of it and charge them three hundred dollars. They'll go get it. Yeah, make it exclusive. <laughs> put it on the black market. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you guys, but and also I think we do kind of underestimate how many people are legitimately afraid of needles. And that that yeah, is that I'm is saying. a big barrier like, for some people. 
like it's really? it is like okay. an invasive thing, like having a needle stuck in you. I'm just wondering if it was like a pill that you could buy at Walgreens and then go home and take it with a fucking can of Budweiser. Like is it <laughs> like if you can wash it down with a Bud Light, <laughs> it would would all these would all these have ninety five percent compliance. <laughs> would they? Yeah. Would they still be dying? Literally dying on this fucking hill if it wasn't a yeah, shot? I, I. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I would imagine there's probably a range of reasons. You know. Yes. Yeah, the percentage. The percentage might go down, but it, there would still be a. Sh- I'm, I, I would. I would say a shockingly number. Shockingly large number of people that are that would still. Refuse, and it's not just uh, yeah, in Which, the wealthy nations, you know. I what just mean? maybe me being really just cynical because I I really am in it at this point, but <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I haven't spent too much time really thinking about, it, other than the fact that I think if we start charging for it, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't <laughs> be able to keep them on the shelf. Can't hurt to try, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take if it, it was. Anyway. <laughs> if it was prohibitively expensive for anybody without health insurance to get it, you would have a lot more um, white evangelicals taking it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got to be exclusive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or if you like, put it in a communion wafer. You might get more Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> get more Catholics to get vaccinated. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's the body of Fauci broken for you. Yeah, mm. I know. <laughs> when they started handing out like hundred dollar bills, I was like, "Of course, everybody's gonna get it." Like, but I guess not. Shit is all. I wonder if there's a guy out there that's gotten like. Five vaccinations and five <laughs> bucks, you know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of boosters. You'd think you could at least pay people to, t- <laughs> to, t- to do something really simple. Uh, I, I bet I, I take your point on, on needles, though. I'm not going to discount that as, as a something that's discouraging. Yeah. As always, listeners, if you have questions about the COVID vaccine, ask your doctor. Uh, go go right to the source and ask your doctor for uh, official medical advice. I uh, yeah, your doctor your doctor yes. has done their own research. <laughs> yes, lots of it, lots more than you've you've probably done. Uh, That's what you're paying for. If if we want to go back to the uh, to the music, uh, I was gonna ask Drew. Oh, actually. I have two questions, Drew. Uh, one is, you want to talk about um, vocal production and like where you get your ideas for vocal production? Because there's all these little, these little echoes and and octaves up, octaves down, and just little vocal production details that I love. Um, I don't know. It just comes from kind of living in the songs for months at a time, and they'll kind of be playing in my head while I'm. Um, going for a run or mowing the lawn or or whatever brushing my son's teeth and um uh i just you know if if i sing through the song mentally a million times i'll do it differently 
a, a, a certain percentage of those times and it'll give me some ideas and uh, usually after I get the main vocal tracks done, I'll just kind of, uh, go into the studio with, uh, a bottle of whiskey and just kind of start pouring shots for myself and just listening and just kind of let it go. <laughs> just, you know, see what happens. It, it's, it's really just about not not thinking just feeling just kind of i i try to double the vocals where dynamically it makes sense where something needs emphasis or something needs to be louder or if the vocals need to compete with a guitar track or or whatever then you know that'll kind of guide that's sort of the first thing that guides me there but as far as the um, you know, the harmonization and whatnot. It's just like, I just kind of do what sounds good. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I can't really state that enough. I don't, I'm not, a mu- I like, I'm not a trained musician. I do what I do by ear and I'm picking up more music theory as I'm becoming a better guitar player. Um, but like, you know, I'm not, I I haven't ever taken a composition class and I haven't I haven't known how to read sheet music since I was 13 years old probably um I just I I don't really know what I'm doing If it sounds <laughs> if it sounds good it is good right Right that's right <laughs> That's know. exactly right but it man it, it definitely sounds like you know what the hell you're doing Well you've yeah. covered a lot of territory in the years I mean like 10 years ago yeah. basically yeah i mean yeah just the but the i mean just you introducing me to them howie um just you know on the show that we did last time and then this record man it's very good thank you i've learned a lot from howie he's uh he's an actual musician and i've tried to absorb whatever i can from him we've i mean we've been on a really incredible journey together and i love it so much and i'm you know excited for where it's going now because of course you've influenced me too like when we started playing together i had one guitar pedal i was just gonna say that i i'm probably responsible for a substantial hit to your uh gentleman's uh discretion yeah what else am i gonna spend it on i mean (laughs) it's all been worth it you know, yeah. but but you've taught me sure so much Gary about about guitar, about gear, um, and about breaking outside of the box and and um, not I don't know, just just getting weird and uh, and synthesizer. I mean, you know, all the night mode stuff. We were emailing about this, I think, the other day. Like that all is such a crazy. Like, if Aaron doesn't loan you the synths, and then if you don't decide, well, I'm going to mess around with the synths while they're here, that could all just not have happened. And that's been such a cool thing. And and really, without that, you know, I probably don't make a record with Nate, and the show doesn't start, you know? So... Yeah, shout out to Aaron Osborne. Giant shout out to Aaron Osborne. Uh, solo artist, bassist of Expo 70. Yeah. Yeah, all around okay. good guy. Good friend. 
uh, yeah, I'm glad that he's a, he's a gear hoarder and uh, doesn't have room for any of his sins. <laughs> so, in fact, I, I think some of his stuff is in the shot right there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can see his Oberheim and Juno 60 right there. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. This is the first Dark Satellites record where I didn't use the Juno. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't. I just didn't have an occasion for it. The Prophet 08 covered a lot of ground. and Yeah, it's not really a Juno. I can see how you'd make other choices on this one. Well, and that kind of leads me to my other question, which is just like, you know, where are you headed now? Where is Dark Satellites headed? Well, like I said, I've always got um, a bunch of unfinished music on my hard drive, and that's true today i've got a whole i've probably got enough to do a fifth record it's just a matter of finishing what i've got um and i'm not exaggerating like i have a full length record that's half in the can already so <laughs> over the course of the next year i'll try and finish it and maybe i'll put out another september record again So in I'll be waiting for it. I was gonna say, sure. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. The idea was, like, I learn how to do as much of this stuff as I can by myself so that I'm self-sufficient and I'm able to write, record, and release on my own schedule. So, you know, I'm just going to keep keep going. What What time are you typically in the studio night at night yeah or like if it's a weekend i can get some i can get a couple hours in on a, a saturday or sunday afternoon whenever there's not a chiefs game or something um i uh yeah but i do most of my work at night put the kids to bed and um it, you know unless there's like a something that that mm -hmm. my wife wants to watch on tv uh with me then then i come out here and and work on music that sounds familiar <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i've got I've, i'm my studio's in a, a garage like a uh a, a, yeah, I was going to comment garage. on what's going on, uh, you know, what I'm trying to, what I'm looking at, like where everything's set in, mm -hmm. uh, and that makes sense, sure. Yeah, I've got, there's a garage door behind me, and I've got okay. it covered up, I've got it covered up with some blackout curtains, Yeah. Um, partially covered up. I'm kind of trying to do some acoustic work in here, um, make it a little easier to hear the bass guitar and the kick drum. Um but yeah, I got a mini split air conditioner in here and uh, it holds temperature pretty well. So I've got a nice. nice comfortable studio where I can work late at night and not bother anybody. Nice. That's uh, yeah. very cool. Very yeah, it's, it's, it's a great situation. I'm lucky. Yeah, so we'll see if I, uh, I don't know, I put out that record last year on September 4th. I put it out 
the one this year on September 3rd. I guess next year's September <laughs> 2nd would be the... <laughs> that would be the Bandcamp Friday that I'm shooting for. Oh, I got you. All right, man. So I'll we'll see. It. I'll I'm, mark it. I, I try not to call my own shots, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'll... I'll, I'll set that as a goal. It sounds like a safe bet, though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really start working on this in earnest until, like, January. And I probably had about as much stuff done, um, like, at the previous house as I have done already on these new songs. So it's doable. I've got a bunch of old, um, Howie and I have a whole bunch of old Mars Lights songs that we're trying, that we're just always trying to make time to finish. So, like, I've been telling him that's probably the next thing I'm going to do. So, and I, that's what I want to work on. Like, I want to get that done. Um, but as far as Dark Satellites goes, what's next is just turning the crank on the next record. Dope. Cool. Dark Satellites, David the Gnomes, Adrenochrome, Thunderdome. Uh, right now, it's just on Bandcamp, is that right? Yeah, I'll probably do the streaming services sometime in October. I just, I like, I like Bandcamp. Um, yeah. It's just so much better than streaming, and I'm not even convinced that anybody ever streams my music anyway, so I always prioritize Bandcamp. Totally. So darksatellites.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Uh, Twitter at dark underscore satellites. All the links in the description. Uh, thanks, Drew. Great to talk. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yeah, man. Good, good yeah, to I talk so. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Awesome. It's been the long play listening party. Yeah. Pretty good uh, morning zoo. You guys got. <laughs> <laughs> so morning zoo is signing off Kabowie <laughs> <laughs>